people are just, they wear it like a badge of honor. Yeah. And it's like the first thing to go when people are, you know, experiencing stress or like have to show up and it should be the last thing that you sacrifice. It needs to be protected and prioritized. So anyone that's promoting, you know, sleep's a waste of time or hustle, hustle, yeah, unfollow them <laughs> because yeah. if, if yeah, you follow that advice, you're going to shorten your life. You're not going to show up with the full energy. You're, you're, you know, every aspect of your life is going to get worse. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mental Purpose Podcast. That was a weird intro. <laughs> we're going to keep it. Uh, my name is Ian Lobos. I'm the host of the show. And I'm excited today because we're going to talk about sleep. And I know with our resident doctor, we've talked about sleep a little bit. This time, we're going to get deep into sleep. And we're going to cover some, we're going to cover a lot of topics. And I'm going to go through those in just a second. You know what's coming. We're going to talk about the group. If you're not a part of the Facebook community yet, I mean, we're growing literally by 100 people a week. It's fantastic. You want to be a part of it. Go to the show notes, click on the link. It's free. Go there right now. Take, act, take action. Be purposeful. Go sign up. It's free. And there's free coaching in there. There's free resources in there. It's awesome. And it's an ecosystem of like-minded individuals who are thinking on purpose, wanting to be on purpose, doing on purpose, and living a more elevated and evolved life. Plain and simple. So today, this is Devin Burke. Devin with an I. Devin Burke, hey, he wrote a book called The Sleep Advantage. And... I was fascinated by the information. And so when he came along, I was like, man, this is going to be perfect. The audience, like, I want to know about deeper levels of sleep and how different things affect it. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about everything from hours recommended to how breathing, how food, how uh, detrimental little sleep is, how breathing and food affects sleep, the environmental factors, how caffeine and alcohol and cannabis affect sleep. We're going to talk about bedding, bed sheets, mattresses, pillows, the effects of, of lack of sleep. We're going to talk about um, sleep architecture. He breaks down a very, very simple strategy to get you into better sleep that's easy, that doesn't affect your whole lifestyle, but getting into better sleep will affect your whole lifestyle. And that's what we talk about today. We're going to talk about plant medicine. It just somehow circled there. We're going to talk about plant medicine and its effects on sleep. And its effects on understanding the internal workings of your body, your soul, your traumatizing, you know, sense of your brain, the conditioning and programming that we, we talk about a lot on here and how plant medicine can help you clear some of those things that are affecting your sleep, maybe unconsciously. Pretty cool, right? I think so. We're going to talk about uh, two types of insomnia. We're going to talk about sleep and mental stress, managing sleep, hot and cold temperatures. What's the ideal temperature? He gives recommendations on the best pillows, sheets, and mattresses. The guy's an expert. Talking about quality of, le uh, quality of life and the sleep correlation. Breathing, right? So we're going to talk about sleep apnea. We'll talk about breathing through your nose versus your mouth and the benefits of your nose versus your mouth. We're getting into all kinds of stuff, literally. It's an hour-long episode about sleep and everything in between. We're also going to talk about the bullshit mindset, my opinion, I'm the host of the show, is my opinion. The bullshit mindset about the hustle culture, which you know I, I'm, I'm not against. I just don't think it serves very well in the long run in a sustainable format. We're going to talk about um, the, the adage or the mindset around sleep when you're dead. 
or hey, I, I don't need to sleep hustle and grind more grind more grind more I'll sleep i'll sleep later and the effects of that mindset and the effects of those activities or lack of activities on your body and your brain and how you're not as fresh you're not as sharp when you're getting a lack of sleep so with all that said this is devin burke and this is the episode on sleep enjoy all right devin it's all about sleep today man let's uh let's dig I don't even know. Like, I feel like the overarching question is why is sleep so damn important? And then that probably will go down a lot of different pathways to a, a lot more detail. So maybe just kick it off like that, man. Why is it so important for sleep? Like why is sleep so important? It's the foundation of health. Hmm. It affects every aspect of our life, our relationships, mental performance, um, you know, our memory, uh, it's literally, it's, it's so underestimated that it, even though it seems like our mind and our bodies are asleep, they're actually wide awake. There's so much that goes on during the night that yeah. allows us to actually show up during the day. So it's, um, it literally impacts every single aspect of our, our health. And, um, yeah, that's why it's important. Interesting. I like that. So, like, where can we go with this? There's so many different avenues. Let's, let's, let me ask you like questions. Like how does food affect sleep? Yeah. We're getting right into it. I love it. Yeah, I do. There's so many things we could talk about. And I, I'm very curious about this because I mean, I, I think I get pretty good sleep, you know, maybe seven, eight hours. And I know that if I stay up till midnight and I'm trying to get up at five, six o'clock in the morning, like I know I'm going to be dragging. I know my body is going to not like that. And then if I fall asleep at nine 30 and wake up at five, like we're good. Yeah. So there's so, I mean, we, we can take this so many ways and I'm sure it'll unfold as, as the conversation yeah. goes, but, but to answer your question, so what we eat and when we eat impacts our sleep. And so what most people don't realize is that the first quarter of the night. Usually for most people, that's from 10 PM to let's say 12, 12 AM. That is when our body gets the most Delta deep sleep. And so if we go to bed with a full stomach, if there's not a, at least a three hour fasting window before we go to sleep, our body versus repairing and recovering the damaged cells, you know, the glimpse system being activated, which, you know, cleans up beta amyloid, the plaque that creates Alzheimer's, all of that goes on during this stage. If we're eating too close to bedtime, it actually, the energy gets diverted into the stomach for digestion. So it's not talking about a full meal or just eating period, eating period. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, you know, if we want to jump right into strategies, like uh, there's, there's one, like three, two, one sleep. And the first three is no food three hours before bed. So stop eating ideally three to four hours before bed, depending on what type of metabolizer you are. Um, and the reason for that is for what I just mentioned, you don't want your, your body. You don't want, when we go to sleep, our bodies, it's, it's like the trash men come up and are cleaning out all of the different, you know, damaged cells. And from the air we breathe, the water, we drink the food, you know, we eat all of that is even, I don't care if you're eating organic, if you're drinking the purest spring water, you're getting bombarded by toxins. It's just the reality yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, and it's during the night. That's when our bodies 
physically repair. So you don't want your body diverting that energy to digest food when it should be diverting the energy to actually clean up the damaged cells. Got it. That's interesting. What is it that, um, like, I want to go back to something you, you mentioned Delta, like brainwaves, Delta state for people that just don't know what that is. Can you go through the different states of the brain and, and just explain what those are and like how people can understand when they're in, well, obviously not going to understand when they're in Delta, but explain those. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're, so what we're talking about is what we call in sleep science, sleep architecture. So we'll get a little bit into the basics. So every 90 minutes, we go through what's called a sleep cycle. And within a sleep cycle, we're going through both REM and non-REM sleep stages. So those are the two different types of sleep. So non-REM is stages one through four, and then there's REM or rapid eye movement. So every 90 minutes, we're coming in and out of these different stages, and each stage is correlated to a different brainwave state. Each stage is important. Um, so stage one and two, you're kind of coming in and out of consciousness. Your, you know, your blood pressure starts to drop, your body temperature starts to drop. And then what's considered Delta sleep or deep sleep is really when you're getting into stages three and four. And then we get into what's called REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. And this is when literally our bodies are paralyzed. So we're not acting out our dreams and, you know, punching our bed partners. Um, and this is when mostly it's short-term memory gets shuttled to long-term storage. This is when we're working out the emotional traumas of the day through our dreams, creative thinking, creative problem solving takes place during REM sleep. And so each of these stages are, are related to a different brainwave state. And so it's sort of like, as you go throughout the night, it's sort of like a symphony is happening in the brain. So what most people don't realize is actually every 90 minutes, you, you sort of pop out of sleep. Most of the time you are not conscious of that. Although for people that have what's called maintenance insomnia, they become actually conscious and it pulls them all the way out of sleep. And then sometimes if the mind's going, if you're not master of your stress, then you might have a difficult time getting back to sleep. And that's what we call in sleep science, sleep maintenance insomnia. There's I've never heard of that. Yeah. There's two different types of insomnia. Yeah. There's, there's a onset insomnia, which is trouble getting to sleep. And then there's maintenance insomnia, which is trouble staying asleep. And then there's different classifications. So it could be transient, acute, or chronic. Most people don't realize that, um, you know, over 40 million Americans have insomnia. Most people don't realize that they actually have insomnia either. Hmm. And it's chronic. So it's considered chronic if you're experiencing, you know, either trouble initiating sleep, which is what we call sleep latency, or staying asleep three days or more a week for longer than three months. That would Got be it. considered a chronic sort of insomnia. A lot of okay. people are just don't realize that they're actually they're experiencing insomnia. Um, but anyway, we that's a whole other we can we can yeah get yeah yeah whole too. I don't want to. I just never I've never heard it. I've never heard of the the maintenance part. You know, I, you always hear about sleep apnea, like which is like buzzwordy. You know, and insomnia is buzzwordy. Maintenance is it's it's it's, it's different. It's interesting. Yeah. So onset and maintenance insomnia, it's just, they're just two class classifications. So onset insomnia is, is with people that have issues with sleep latency. So initiating sleep maintenance is people that have issues. They wake up and they're, they have a hard time getting back to sleep. Like fully awake. Like they have to go pee or something, or like they're fully awake. And, and then it's like hours before they go back to bed. If the, if not, if that, is there something that causes that like as an external factor or is it food or is it 
Like if, yeah, if it's oh, chronic. It can be a lot of things. So most of the time it's, it's stress. Okay. It's, it's mental, emotional stress or physical stress. Um, and so, but it can be a lot of different things. Like if you're using alcohol or caffeine, that definitely can, you know, is alcohol can be pulls you out of REM sleep, heats your body up. Uh, and you, you want your body temperature to, to start to drop throughout the night. It kind of goes, it rises and drops depending on which stage of sleep you're in. Can you dig into that real quick? Like for, for people that are listening, they drink a lot of caffeine or, or, or alcohol. What oh, is yeah. that doing? Like, what is the caffeine doing to like the nervous system and how does that work on the body when it's, when you're going to sleep? Yeah. Dig yeah. So caffeine is really interesting. And in so there's, there's two things in the, you know, in your, that create sleep. So it's called sleep pressure and circadian rhythm or circadian clock. So what caffeine, the sleep pressure system, there's a neurochemical called adenosine that builds up in our mind and body that creates sleepiness. And interestingly enough, caffeine actually blocks the receptor site of adenosine. That's why you feel like this artificial type of alertness. Um, the half-life of caffeine is about six hours. So that means it's in your body for about 12 hours. And depending on what type of metabolizer you are of caffeine, some people are fast metabolizers you know, metabolizers, caffeine, some people are slow will dictate how long it's actually in your system, but you don't want, you know, that caffeine is, is blocking adenosine. Again, adenosine builds up and is, is what creates sleepiness. So if you have caffeine too late in the day, which, you know, for most people, people say, well, okay, well, when should I stop having caffeine latest 1 PM, ideally noon. So that like 3 p.m. espresso or coffee that people have is just crushing their sleep quality. Interesting. Um, now, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is what happens is as well is caffeine, when you use caffeine and how you use caffeine, caffeine is like dumping gasoline on a fire. So mm -hmm. most people are chronically stressed. Um, they're, they're in a chronic sort of fight or flight or sympathetic nervous system. And then you're putting on calf, you're like dumping this gasoline onto a fire at the wrong time. So when we wake up, our cortisol is the highest as soon right. as we wake up. And then most people just have a cup of coffee and that's just, you're, you're spiking your cortisol, you're spiking your adrenaline. So ideally you want to wait an hour to have your cup of coffee. You want to first drink like a liter of water because we, we lose actually through respiration and sweat, a liter of water a night, which is insane. Oh, that's a lot of water. Yeah. A lot of water. Oh. And so using caffeine first thing in the morning, it's a diuretic. So it's going to dehydrate you as well as it's, again, it's, it's going to spike the quarter already high cortisol. Um, and so you don't, you never want to rely on caffeine for energy. It's kind of like borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, not yeah. a good strategy. It's, I didn't know about the, the, what is it? Endosteen? Adenosine. Adenosine. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't realize that factor was, was being blocked and or masked by, by uh, caffeine. Does it get masked by alcohol too? No, alcohol is okay. a different, different mechanism. So alcohol, essentially alcohol. I mean, listen, I, I enjoy a tequila and a good glass of wine, sure. uh, you know, but um, it's a poison, you know, it's so alcohol it's really destructive to the body. And yeah. what it does is it messes with your body temperature. This is one of the reasons why it affects sleep. Um, it, it essentially heats your body up. It can help you fall asleep, but usually you'll wake up because your body is dehydrated as well as 
it's it's messing with the the temperature regulation temperature regulation thank okay. you um so so that's where alcohol is it's not ideal and a lot of people use alcohol as a stress management tool yeah um which isn't ideal either because it affects sleep and you never really want to have to rely on something to manage your stress especially something that's that's not really good for us in the, in the first place. That makes sense. Why don't we round them out with like with cannabis use, marijuana use? What about that and sleep? Yeah. So there's some interesting research on cannabis and sleep there. What they're finding is cannabis with THC also sort of um, gets in the way of deeper stages of sleep, specifically REM sleep, but CBD, there's some interesting uh, studies that I've seen that actually um, are promising. So meaning that they actually can improve sleep, but it really depends on the type, the quality, whenever you're talking about supplementation or, or, or using a medicine or a drug, however you want to define that, um, is it's going to have a different effect on your biochemistry, the set and setting your intention around using it. So many, so many things there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. The set and setting and your intention around using it. When people say something like, I don't do drugs. I'm like, well, your intention's off. Well, when you say something like plant medicine or that, like, this is the medicinal, a medicinal piece, your intention's different than if you're just using it as a party drug. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. one of the things I'm actually really happy about is, you know, the, the starting to decriminalize psilocybin. Cause I think there's yeah. going to be a lot of positive effects Huge. for people with Huge. sleep issues using psilocybin. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing more studies and, and also, um, you know, experiments with. Yeah. Well, besides the fact that psilocybin is going to dig up some of the stuff that probably causes some of the sleep issues anyway, like the internal, the anxieties, the fears, the panics, like the deep down. I mean, I know in my, my, my own psilocybin journeys, like it is, it, it is, it, it wasn't that fun. <laughs> it was dark. However, what it brings up and what it shows you and, and kind of and, and illuminates that that really takes the the pressure and the power off of that, I think can affect sleep in a more positive manner. Like it totally can. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the uh, what's to come in the future and how it's going to be related to help people with this with with chronic sleep issues. I really do That's, see it see it playing a massive role in, in shifting that for people. For sure, for sure. I mean, look, there's always going to be people that abuse. It just is what it is. And there's going to be people that now have the, the option and the opportunity to use it as the medicinal thing that it is. And they'll probably benefit. They will. I mean, they will. I benefited from it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 10 years ago, that sort of yeah. shifted my path. Um, and, um, you know, it was in the jungles of Costa Rica that actually I had my first experience. Literally, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like a, you know, shaman experience or anything like that. I was with my brother and these, these two guys from Colorado, we were, we hiked up to a waterfall and he had it in his, in this Chex Mex. And I started to eat the Chex Mex. I didn't realize that there was mushrooms in it. And oh, he's like, okay. dude, what are you doing? Slow down. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, like, and, uh, yeah. So I, I either had two choices. I could either, you know, put my finger down my throat and just like vomit all that out or just surrender to it. Um, and I'm glad I did. I, I chose just to, uh, to relax into it. And I mean, yeah. I had amazing sort of, I don't know if you want to call it spiritual insights or awakening. Sure. Um, but what I realized is you don't need anything in order to be happy. Right. Like embodied that, like every part of my cell in my body realized that you don't need anything, money, like anything externally, anything externally, yeah. like, yeah. and had the experience of that, not just the intellectual sort of, you know, you hear that all the time, 
but actually having an experience of that being true is, is completely different than, you know, intellectualizing that. Yeah. It's it, I had that on, um, ayahuasca. Wow. Where it, it was just like, you're, it's you like, you know, what's really interesting is, um, I had a very similar experience in Will Smith's new book, his biography. He explains his ayahuasca journey and how difficult it was because his ego was so in, in the way. And they kept saying to him, like, no, it's just you. Like, this is it. It's just you. And he's mm -hmm. like, wow, this is the most beautiful place in the world. And the medicine kept saying, this is you. Like, you don't realize that all the stuff that you put on the outside and the traumas you have and the stuff from your childhood, that clouded or blocked your view from seeing this beautifulness. Like, right now I'm recording some in a hotel room, like 10 stories over the, the hill in Park City. And I'm looking at these incredible mountains. Well, if the blinds were closed, I wouldn't see that beautifulness. That's our egos. That's our stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we went down this route. I'm, we're going to go back. We're going <laughs> back to sleep hard. I think it's important for people to know. And honestly, a lot more people are asking these questions about plant medicine to see if they can be a, 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 a help to them and a service to them. And, I, and I'm 100% confident that it can. And it sounds like you are too. I am. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to kind of pair like sleep and, and, you know, plant medicine, but yeah. I think it's becoming more popular and I think it's becoming more accepted. And, and again, as long as you're using it in a safe way with, with sure. people that, you know, are, are know what they're doing, I think it's, it can be a, a powerful tool for, uh, for healing. Sure. So let me, uh, let's round back to sleep. Um, how, what's, what, what about hours? How many hours is, is right? Or is there, a, is there a right amount of hours or is it per you and your body or per your energy output or whatever? How, what's the hours? Yeah. So have you heard the term bio-individuality? Yes. Okay. So it applies to sleep. And okay. here's, here's why. So we each have what's called a unique chronotype or cr our unique chronobiology. And, and it, an easy way of sort of understanding what that is, is you're a morning type person or an evening type person or somewhere in between that's genetic. Then there is your age, your lifestyle, your gender, uh, where you live, the seasons, all of these things affect how much sleep we need. Um, I was actually factors. a lot of factors. Yeah. And, and so yeah. So as you go throughout life, your sleep need changes as you, as you evolve throughout, you know, as you, you know, from, from a child all the way up till, you know, you, you leave the planet, um, the sleep need changes. If you're an athlete, you know, like if you're a top tier, you know, let's say you're an NBA player or, you know, NHL or whatever, you're going to need more sleep because you're breaking your body down way more like you're, prof you're professional at breaking your body down. It needs more time to repair. Yeah. And a lot of these top tier athletes, like literally the best ones in the world, like, you know, LeBron James and, you know, um, a lot of them, even any, any top athlete in any sport, they either have a sleep coach or they're optimizing their sleep like crazy. Like LeBron James talks about it all the time. Um, and, and the reason is, is because he realized he's a smart guy. He realizes what an impact it has on his, on his performance and his recovery. So, so again, depending on your lifestyle, how much you're abusing your body, also how much mental stress you're experiencing, you know, how much, you know, what type of job you have. Are you someone that really 
has a lot of creative output, those, those types of people might need more sleep. Um, I was actually, you know, funny enough today, I was looking at, I've been tracking my sleep since 2018 and I was looking at, I don't even know why I was looking at this, to be honest. How do you track um, by the way? So I use a device called the Aura Ring. Yeah. And, and it's so important. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like you can't manage what you don't measure. Yeah. And with sleep, you're, you're not conscious. So if you want to improve something, you need to measure it. And the Aura Ring, I found to be the best device, least invasive, most accurate when, when it comes to sleep tracking. That's what we use at Sleep Science Academy with, with all our clients. Um, so anyway, so I've been tracking my sleep since 2018. And I actually started to look and see the trends. In certain months, my sleep drive goes up. And then in certain months, it goes down. And it's pretty consist consistent yeah, it's over, over the years. And it's, it has to do with the seasons. It also has to do with temperature. Like temperature outside or temperature in the house or both? Both. Okay. Because I yeah. noticed like, I noticed like throughout the fall, like living in LA now, throughout the fall, I'm like, man, I'm up at 5 a.m. and I'm ready to roll. And then like this week, additional stress on me, obviously different emotional, mental, I have to be on, talking to a lot of people, presenting. Like I noticed Aaron and I usually get up at like 5, 5.30 and do like morning routine stuff. And it's like 7.15 and we're, we're just laying there going, yeah, maybe 15 more minutes, you know? <laughs> and going to bed at a decent time too, like 10 o'clock, 10.30, which, you know, for a, an event like this, is pretty good. That is so, good. What, what about like, um, is, it, is it, oh, that's what I want to ask you. Is it better in, like to sleep in the cold or hot? Definitely the cold. And here's the reason why. Your body temperature needs to drop two to, to three degrees Fahrenheit for, to, for sleep to be induced. Um, also being in a cold room for whatever reason creates more opportunity for deep sleep, hmm. which is stage three and four. And that's the juicy sleep that we want for body repair. Um, so there's actually some really cool technology that's coming out. That's helping people sort of regulate their body temperature. Cause a lot of people sleep hot or if you have a, yeah. you know, bed partner, maybe your, your bed partner sleeps is like a hot sleeper and you like it more cold. So there's all kinds of fun devices like the bed jet, the chili pad, the sleep eight pod mattress cover. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a bunch coming out as well that kind of now are really helping people regulate their body temperature as well as mattresses that are creating, you know, the, the mattress fabrics and the foams and things like that are, are being upgraded to help regulate body temperature versus like a lot of like the Tempur-Pedic, the old Tempur-Pedic great mattress, but it's just, you're just stores heat. Yeah. And, um, you don't want to sleep hot. Now I want to ask you something about those things. So the, I've always wondered, like, does the material of the bed, I mean, obviously some of these things are like complete chemical made, you know, you're not sleeping on natural stuff. Is that affecting sleep as a, an additional, um, uh, what, what would you call it? An additional like component or um, environmental factor as to now, how it affects your sleep? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and the answer is, it depends. So for sure, some of the mattresses off do what's called off-gassing. Yeah. And the truth is pretty much anything in your house is going to off-gas. So your carpet, the, the paint on the wall, your furniture, it's all going to off-gas unless you're going like, completely organic. And, and there are companies now that are producing, you know, products that are, are like very low and off gassing. Yeah. Um, 
So if you're a hypersensitive person, or if you have any type of chemical sensitivity, then that could be a potential factor and, and a stress load on your, on your body for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but again, it's like when you're looking at your, everything in your home, every, everything literally in your home probably is off gassing to some extent, it's just how much. So, so that's, and there are, there are great mattress companies that there's one, um, Essentia is, is a great company. They make like a really nice organic latex foam mattress that feels like a Tempur-Pedic. Um, I'm actually, uh, you know, an ambassador for a company that they produce nectar mattresses, dream cloud, uh, and dream clouds, the one that, that I, you know, share with people. It's, it's a mix, it's a hybrid mattress, uh, spring and foam. And, um, they, they, you know, they're using better materials, not as off gassing as, you know, back in the day, a lot of these. Yeah. So companies now are realizing that, you know, a it's a problem and, and B consumers are wanting, you know, more health promoting products in their home. So they're starting to, you know, shift to, to, um, better products, which is good. Yeah. Okay. I was going to add, that was my next question is what mattresses do you recommend? And then also on top of that, what about, what about bedding and sheets? So we're talking yeah. about sleeping cool. Like I, I like the, um, the, the, not, not like safety and security, but like, I like the feeling of a heavier blanket on me versus a sheet, you know? And so like, does it matter if you keep your room cool, if you're smoking hot underneath this big comforter, like, does that matter? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does for sure. And so, you know, I'm a huge, like bamboo sheets, like change my life. That's a bold okay. statement. I got a, uh, my first set of bamboo sheets was, was a gift, a wedding gift. And I love bamboo. You know, once you go bamboo, you don't go back. Like <laughs> seriously, it makes that big sure. of a difference. It is an investment because it's a bit more expensive than like cotton sheets, yeah. but they're soft, they're temperature regulating. They they're, they're amazing. Um, but yeah, you don't want to, you know, if you have this huge blanket, that's, that's heating you up and you don't have a mattress that is, that breathes, then that's, that's, that could affect your sleep. Then, you know, the ideal temperature in a bed and bedroom you want is around 60, between 65 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit. That's oh. it's pretty, pretty cold. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's pretty cool. cool. Um, so, but making sure you have a, you know, supportive mattress is, is, is critical. Um, making it's, it's the most important piece of furniture in your home. Think about it. You're, yeah. you're, you're on it for a third of your life. Literally you're on, you spend at least eight hours a day or hopefully, um, on, on it. Sure. Right. And so invest in getting a really comfortable, high quality mat. If you're going to invest in something, invest in that, invest in it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it makes perfect. It's so practical. And I, I just, it blows my mind. I have a lot of, you know, I work with very successful, you know, interesting people. Um, and a lot of them, I ask them, you know, what kind of matches you have? And like the, these, these people, I mean, they have beautiful homes. Yeah. You know, they spend millions of dollars on all this furniture and stuff. And then I'm always surprised. I'm like, really? You're sleeping on that? Like, <laughs> you know, like what? Like, yeah, seriously. Um, which is uneducated, right? It's just miseducation. It is miseducation. And, and it's, well, here's the thing about it. It's sleep is stigmatized culturally. It's seen as a waste of time. People don't understand how important it is. Um, it's, you know, you hear things like you snooze, you lose. You hear things like I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, hustle and grind. Terrible, uh, terrible, terrible, terrible shit. Terrible, terrible shit. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's a machismo thing. And a lot of times high performing entrepreneurs, which is who we tend to attract and work a lot with that have sleep issues. 
you know, these are the guys that are kind of conditioned, like, yeah, I only slept four hours. I only, I only need five hours. It's like, yeah, you have no idea what could be possible for you if you just slept, you know, a little bit more and, and, and understood how to actually sure. optimize the sleep that you're getting. In your opinion, so I, I, won't, I won't mention this person's name. Like I saw this really great social media influencer that I like. That's the way I'll put it. Um, <laughs> say something about sleep and that use that line like, sleep's overrated, sleep when you're dead, hustle, 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 like get your shit done now. And I was like, delete, I unfollowed immediately. So I was like, dude, that's all I need to know that your mindset is jacked up. And so in your mind, what is that about? I mean, obviously we get really deep on this show, like with a lot of different people. Like, I want to know just in your opinion, you work with a lot of high-end guys. Um, and those are the same clients that we serve as well. And, and some women. Um, what's the reason for that mindset? And how it, damaging is that mindset? Like in your opinion, like the, what's the depth of that mindset? It's a, it's a mindset that literally kills people. Literally. And, and the, where it comes from, it, it does come from being, it's culturally conditioned. Again, it's like people are just, they wear it like a badge of honor. Yeah. And it's like the first thing to go when people are, you know, experiencing stress or like have to show up and it should be the last thing that you sacrifice. It needs to be protected and prioritized. So anyone that's promoting, you know, sleep's a waste of time or hustle, hustle, yeah, unfollow them <laughs> because yeah. if, if yeah. you follow that advice, you're going to shorten your life. You're not going to show up with the full energy. You're, you're, you know, every aspect of your life is going to get worse. Yeah. That's, that's just true. the truth. It's not sustainable. It may be like we were talking to the guys today at this conference about, um, building a life that, uh, and results that are sustainable, not, not just in business and money in all areas of your life, communication, sex, uh, relationships, you know, all that stuff, emotional intelligence, mental health. And that is one that will, is not sustainable at all. So I, I I've been watching, I'm fascinated by, um, Titans of industry, you know, the, 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 uh, gilded age, I guess they call them like robber barons. And uh, William Randolph Hearst has always been something that's fascinating to me. Mm. And like in this documentary, it's on Amazon, it's called uh, Citizen Hearst. And it literally spends so much time talking about how this guy would sleep maybe an hour or two a night for years on end. Because he would have to be, you know, when he was in New York, he had to watch his papers at 3, 3 a.m., right? And then when he moved to California, he was up at, he would party with his friends, but he wouldn't drink. Then at midnight, he would retire, let his friends go do their thing at, at, at San Simeon and Hearst Castle. Then he would go up and look at the papers for the East Coast. Then at 6 a.m., he was looking at the papers for the West Coast and his magazines, Cosmopolitan, you know, those things. So sleep wasn't an option for him. Now, the guy lived till he was 88. So, okay. So here, let's talk about this. quality so, of life I want you to go into. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. There are certain people that have a genetic polymorphism that allows them to sleep less and still perform and not have it impact their health. There's, it's the PER3 gene that there, there's certain types of people, it's a genetic thing that they actually need less sleep. And I think it's one, one, less than 1% of the population actually has this. There's actually a gene and there's actually something scientific. Yeah, there is. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, there, there, a couple of years ago, I think it was it was CNBC or CNN, one of the major news media channels 
did a uh, like a spotlight on this family that all had this genetic sort of thing and what they were able to accomplish as a result of needing less sleep. Um, so, but it, you know, when it comes to it and some people can get away with, it. I mean, you hear all the time, like, Oh, my grandmother was a smoker and she lived to 101, you know? Yeah. So there are, there are, you know, X factors or people that are anomalies, but for most of us, that's just not an option. Sure. Um, I mean, you, you just, you could go even go one night, like I'll give you an example two weekends ago, I was in Miami for a Spanish wedding and they start the weddings extremely late. It was a 7 p.m. ceremony so that we weren't eating until like 8.30. And then the wedding went on until 3 a.m. in the morning, dancing. Wow. It was wild. Um, great time. And, you know, I had one or two alcoholic beverages throughout the night, lots of water. But I felt the next day, I, I could just I just felt it in my body. I felt it in yeah. my, my mind. I just wasn't as sharp. I wasn't as clear. I yeah. just kind of felt like, kind of like a zombie really. And there's actually a lot of interesting research that shows when we're underslept, our ability to regulate our emotion as well as interpret emotion gets totally skewed. Mm-hmm. And I like to give the example. It's kind of like you, if you normally see, you know, the world with a certain lens that lens gets distorted even more than it already is. And you, you start to misinterpret people's emotion. And like, you know, for an example, you might be walking down the street and you see somebody that, you know, has, that looks at you and you might interpret that person as like giving you a dirty look when yeah. they weren't, they were just, it was just your skewed perception. Um, and it's, it's interesting. So like a lot of interesting things happen mentally when you don't sleep. And I heard David Blaine actually, talk about this really interesting phenomenon that happened for him when he was doing one of his stunts where he was staying awake. I think it was for like 28 or 48 hours. And he was standing on top of this, this pole in the middle of New York. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 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 So he, so I was listening to him, you know, describe this experience and they were asking a bunch of questions about it. I don't, I don't even know. Maybe it was a TV show. I'm not sure, but, and he said something really interesting. That's that like really stuck with me. He said, you know, the hardest part about that was the sleep deprivation. And he started to hallucinate. He started to see like his hands turn into like spider webs and he started to see like snakes crawl up his arm. And it was his body trying to essentially, this is how he interpreted that. It was his body in mind telling him, Hey, you need to sleep. So we're going to try to like do anything possible to freak you out so that you stop doing this craziness. (laughs) Um, I thought, wow, isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Um, you know, right? self, the body has such an amazing intelligence. Yeah. If sleep was a waste of time. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing it still. Right. Evolutionarily. Like it would have, it would have shifted. Like we would shift. Yeah, totally would have shifted. And, and it hasn't. So obviously it's, there's, there's a reason why, right? Yeah. Oh, well, another question real quick while we're talking about like sheets and stuff. What about pillows? Cause I notice. Like there's sometimes I get my head right on a pillow and I wake up and my brain is clear. Like last night I slept wrong and it kind of like kinked my neck Yeah, and probably pinched some muscles or something. And like my brain was massively foggy this morning. Oh man, I've had that experience. It's not fun. And I've experimented with like a lot of different pillows as you can imagine. So actually, so I personally sleep on an incline, a five to 10% degree incline. 
And the reason I do that is because it helps with deep sleep and it also helps with circulation. Um, but regard, in regards to a pillow, you really just want something that, that supports the cervical aspect of your neck. Um, you don't so want like a, a towel roll. It, it could be. There's a, there's a guy, he's a chiropractor. He makes this pillow called the neck nest and it's like a pillow with this roll on it. And um, I really like it. And um, he has some interesting, interesting, I guess, evidence that supports that it, it helps with the cervical alignment of the, of the spine throughout the night. Um, by using his pillow and you, you go to his website, he has like, you know, before and afters of his clients and stuff like that. Interesting. Um, but anything that's really going to just support that, that curve of the neck is going to be ideal. You don't want your head pushed up. Um, and really you shouldn't have on your bed, you know, a lot of, sometimes people have like all these decorative pillows. That's cool. Yeah. cool. Great. Like you're, for decoration. Yeah. yeah. For decoration, but really you only need one pillow and it, and it really should just ideally keep your head in alignment. Now, some people sleep on their back. Some people sleep on their side. Some people sleep on their stomach. And depending on what type of sleeper you are, there's going to be a different pillow. Um, that would probably be your best sort of option. Got it. Okay. So now like, here's something that like Aaron and I were talking about it before we jumped on here. Um, we were talking about like how there's so many things that I, I want to ask you. How about how breathing affects sleep, right? So we can talk about like the sleep apnea. Like he was talking about how he doesn't, he can't breathe through his nose. So he breathes through his mouth and there's like a dryness that happens and there's things that happen. He doesn't think he's getting the, the proper type of sleep. So how does breathing affect sleep? And really what I want you to go into is that sleep apnea piece. Yeah, yeah. that's a big piece to talk about. So breathing absolutely affects sleep. And there's a great book by uh, the author, James Nestor called Breathe. He, he really gets into his, his research. He's an e expert in this. Um, but essentially we want to breathe through our nose, not our mouth. The reason for that is nasal breathing helps us stay in the parasympathetic. Our nose hairs filter out the air and it, and it also, it increases nitrous oxide. Um, it's better for our oral health as well. So there's something called mouth taping. You might've heard of it. Interesting. No, it, actually, sounds, I, it sounds like exactly what it is, right? Yeah. So you tape your mouth shut. They, they do make strips on Amazon. Uh, Somonex, I think is the brand. Um, although you could just use medical tape and just to retrain your body to brain, to breathe through your nose. That actually makes a huge difference in sleep quality. I've had clients that were mouth breathers that started to retrain themselves to be nose nasal breathers, much better quality sleep. Um, but then there comes the challenge like, oh, I have a deviated septum or I have allergies or I have like a small nose. So uh, using breathe right strips to open up the nasal passages or getting that fixed is worth it okay. um, because it really does make that big of a difference um, when it, we're talking about sleep quality. Going into sleep apnea, huge problem. And a lot of people don't realize that they're apneic. And here's the thing with sleep apnea. There's different types. There's obstructive sleep apnea. Um, I'm not an expert in sleep apnea, but I do know a lot about it. And so most people don't realize that they have apnea. And yeah. a good way of- Tell the audience, just for people that don't know, what is apnea? Okay. So it's a stop breathing event. So essentially you're throughout the night, you have, you're, you're, the, the tongue slips back and blocks the airway. And you have a stop, uh, literally you have a stop breathing event and it usually it'll wake you up. 
So your sleep becomes very fragmented. Oftentimes it's due to obesity. But then there are these athletes, these incredible people that are just in amazing shape that also have apnea. And that's because sometimes the muscles in the tongue get weak or it could be the this, this structure of their jaw. That's just the way that they're, that, you know, they came into this world that creates the apnea. So there are dentists in every state that actually perform surgeries to help reconstruct people's faces to fix that. Because when you're, if you have apnea and it goes untreated and there's not a lot of great ways of treating it outside of a CPAP machine, which essentially is forcing air into your, your, it's keeping the nasal um, and the larynx open for air. That's like the solution for it. If you have it because you're obese, just start to lose weight, take care, you know, get your, get yourself in shape. And I've, when I was doing a presentation, it was a couple of years ago on this, someone's like, yeah, like the doctor told me I was going to be on blood pressure medication for the rest of my life. I was going to be on the CPAP the rest of my life. And then then he goes, and then my wife said, you don't need any of that. You're just fucking fat. Like go, (laughs) like go, like take, you know, change your diet. And he's like, and he's like, you know what I did. And guess what? No blood pressure, no sleep apnea. Um, type 2 diabetes. Sleep apnea, yeah. you can solve yeah. them with food. Like you can totally solve them with food. Yeah. And so, but there are people that have, you know, like, like, again, sometimes people do because of their face structure and just the weakness of their tongue. There's a really cool uh, company that I got to experience. They, it's called a Excite OSA. And what it does, it's a daytime treatment for snoring and mild sleep apnea. And what it does is it's, it's like neurostimulation for the myoglossius, which is the muscle underneath the tongue, which actually strengthens the tongue so that it doesn't slip back and cause a stop breathing event. Interesting. Uh, and um, snoring is a big problem. So if you, have a, if you have a snoring spouse, there's a high chance that they either are overweight or they could have apnea. Um, and that affects your sleep as the other spouse. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so the excite OSA is, is a great option if, for snoring. I think they have like a 97, no 90% success rate for snoring. Um, use it 20 oh, wow. minutes a day. Um, it's it what, kinda, what is it, like a weight, like a weight. It's weird, man. You, so you put this thing in your mouth and it kind of, it, have you ever used one of those, uh, neurostim devi- devices like yeah. in physical therapy? Yeah. It's kind of like that for your tongue. Huh. And so it kind of, it, 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 it feels like pop rocks on your tongue. Okay. Um, and essentially like, what it's triggered. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's got this tingling feeling. And, um, essentially what it's doing is, is just strengthening the, the muscle, the myoglossus underneath the tongue so that it doesn't slip back into and block the airway. I, I mean, I guess that's, um, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Wow. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it because the sleep apnea devices, the CPAPs are the least compliant medical devices <laughs> like nobody wants to use them because it's, it's like on your face, you're like Darth Vader and it's right. you got to carry this thing around. Like I, I saw a guy, you know, I was in a hotel room um, and I saw this guy carrying his sleep app. It's like another thing you have to carry. You know, my dad, my dad does it when he comes to, when he comes to visit us, he's got the, the suitcase, his backpack, and then this little bag. Yep. And so it's like another thing, but honestly it's, it is really important because if you don't get apnea treated, um, you have a very high risk of heart, di- heart attack. It, it strains your heart. Uh, oxygen is the number one thing that we need, right? So we last a couple of minutes without breathing. So right. you, if you're not breathing throughout the night because you have apnea, that's, you know, that's, that's something you want to, yeah, you want to take care of that. Yeah. Wow. So I, like, how does, 
I know it's probably a hard subject for a spouse, regardless of who, to maybe talk to their other spouse about or their partner about snoring. Like I know my my aunt, my uncle Steve would snore so loud. It, I literally shake the house. It was so loud, and and you could hear him in the basement when he was three floors up. It was oh so gosh. loud, and uh, and like I, I always wonder when I was a kid, like how how does my aunt sleep in that room? And it turned out that she wasn't getting any sleep. Like none of us were. You, you, you had to go to the basement and put a pillow over your head. It was that, wow. loud, that loud. It was concussive or percussive. Yeah. So how does a partner talk to their partner about like the challenges that they're having with their partner's challenges with snoring and sleep apnea? Man, that is a difficult. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like somebody right now is listening going, shit, I know my husband or wife has this problem. And like, how do I bring it up without being mean or whatever, you know? Or, yeah, or I would, yeah, I would, I would just, I mean, open communication is always the best authentic open communication expressing, Hey, this is impacting my sleep. Uh, would you, would you be open to exploring how to possibly solve it? And, yeah. you know, if, if the person is great, then you can, you know, help them find a solution. Maybe it's a sleep study. Maybe it's, you know, taping their mouth shut. Maybe it's a, a you know, elevated mattress, whatever it is. Uh, if they're not open to it, then, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> so it is, it is. If someone's not open to, to change, you know, it's I like, wanted to breach that just in case someone's listening and going, yeah, I know I need to have that conversation. And you know, my, my spouse is, you know, like 50 pounds overweight or hundred pounds overweight. Like how do, how do I breach that? Because you know, if you breach the snoring, you got to breach the weight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, it's, if that's the factor, I mean, I know a lot of skinny people that have sleep apnea, so like, you're not breaching it on, on all of them. It's just like, it's a, there's a quality of life here that, that you may be responsible for as the partner to help that your other, your partner get that quality of life that they may not be advocating for themselves. You know, yeah. that, that, that's a big thing that we're like, that's what I'm getting at here is how can a partner advocate for their partner when they're, when the partner's not advocating for themselves Yeah, man. to get better sleep, like to get better sleep. Cause right. we talked about the detriments to not getting sleep. I'm sure there's a lot of other ones. Yeah, it's it's challenging. It, it I mean it's 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 a really tough question. It's because it's kind of a universal question. It's like, sure. how do you inspire someone else to make a change that maybe they're not ready for? They don't want to make. Yeah, that's the way I hear that. And it's and it's, totally. So, I always think become what you want your partner to be more of. Yeah. So if it's important to you, if your sleep's important to you, you can say, hey, listen you know, I want to really prioritize my sleep. And because you have apnea or you're snoring, like I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to start to sleep in another room unless you know, you're, you're motivated to solve it. Like, you know what I mean? So like you Which affects the relationship, right? It does actually. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It hundred percent does. I often ask when people, um, you know, fill out our question, our sleep intake form and questionnaires, I ask them, you know, are you still sleeping in the same bed as your partner? And oftentimes they're not. And then I ask, well, is that affecting your relationship? The intimacy. And oftentimes it is. Of course. Um, so this isn't eighteen twenty. No, like we're not. We're not in each other's chambers. Like, right. Yeah. I, it's. It's an interesting it, point. It's it's a tough one. I mean, how do you how do you really? I think everyone has to take responsibility for their own health. Totally. And and so, if you're spouse or partner is not taking responsibility that that's challenging but you can take more responsibility and just keep showing up and hopefully inspire that person to to then follow your lead 
And yeah, um, great, great point. yeah, and it, it's, it's tough because, you know, for me, I, like in my relationship, I have a beautiful relationship with an incredible woman, um, my wife. And, you know, for a lot of years, I was her, I was trying to be her coach. And when I started just to be her husband, our relationship yeah. exponentially got better. And so, you know, you could, you know, you could be saying all the, the right things to your, your, your partner, your wife, husband, whatever, but sometimes you just have to have like this third party come in. So it's not you because it's not really, yep. you're, you're not your spouse's health coach or sleep coach or yeah. life coach or whatever. So, and, and, and so if you can find someone that they're open to and resonate with to then kind of be that voice for change. I find that that's really powerful for people. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I mean, I've experienced that. I know it's, it's more challenging for guys like us that are coaches or women that are coaches and their partners aren't. And like, I remember my, my wife freaked out one day and she's like, look, I don't need a fucking coach. I need my fucking husband, I need yeah. my partner. I was like, okay, sorry. I just, and she goes, look, I know you're trying to be helpful. I know you learn all this stuff and you have this knowledge and I really appreciate it. And at the same time, Sometimes I just want my husband that's not a professional coach or a professional podcast host or giving me ideas. Just go, that sounds great. You let me know how I can help. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, just, just be there to listen. And yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah I had this, uh, this amazing, in my re relationship, um, one of the blocks that I had actually to, to getting married was I had this story in my mind that the more I learn and evolve and, and whatever, it's going to, it's going to separate my, there's like, there's going to be distance yeah, between me and I my wife. Exactly what talking about. And I, you know, I was actually at a Tony Robbins uh, date with destiny seminar and his relationship day. And I realized that was a complete bullshit story that yeah. um, wasn't true at all. Cause the more you learn, the more compassionate and, and, you know, you become the more you can connect with anyone, no matter what they're doing or not doing, it doesn't matter. Um, and sort of when that story kind of dissolved for me, that's when, you know, I was able to, to feel excited and ready to actually commit to marriage and go hundred percent into my relationship versus 95%. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's challenging when you're, when you're a coach and your, your partner is not, if you don't get that, that piece. Dude, that's a great share, by the way, that's a really great share. And, and that had to come up naturally because I, nothing would have, nothing would have like, perp like led us into that. You know, it, that, that was, a, that's a great natural share. That I think it's very valuable for the audience. And it kind of goes back to that. The thing we were talking about earlier with the guys and women that are like, fuck sleep, sleep when you're dead, ground your iron hustle. Um, what you need to realize is the programming and belief pattern behind that way of thinking. And when you can discover that, Cause I was that guy. I freaking for like for the last year and a half, I worked with my dad. I slept in the warehouse. I literally had my first Valentine's day with my, my, not my wife, but she was my girlfriend at the time. My now wife, um, first Valentine's day was in that warehouse. And I was we were drinking wine that I made in the warehouse because I was so scared to not hustle that, mm. that my friends were going to get ahead of me, that I was going to be left behind. I wasn't going to make the type of money and time is going like I, I slept in a, freaking warehouse and I showered in a sink no granted I was broke at the time so I didn't really have a lot of options and I turned the conference room into like I put a couch in there and I turned the conference room into a, a bedroom wow. um in this section of the warehouse and so once I learned and understood the belief patterns behind like my hustle and grind mentality 
started to let myself go a little bit. I started to let, let that go and really realize that I don't need to work another two hours. Yeah. Right. Somebody else might be out hustling me. I'm cool with that. I'm going to go to bed. I want to watch the office when the office was like on TV live. I want to watch the office and just chill out and like watch wipe out Mike Tebow and eat some salmon and rice. Like that was my luxury. Like I was eating peanut butter and jelly on rice cakes. And so like, I want to eat some salmon tonight and watch the office and chill and just like catch a buzz and go to bed. That was it. And so I, that, that is a great point. Like my mindset had to change. My belief pattern had to change. So I'm really glad you brought that up. So dude, as we wrap, we learned a lot of stuff today. We really learned a lot of stuff. I took so many notes. Um, what do you want to leave us with? Like, what are the small things that we can do to get better sleep? Like, what, what are some things yeah. like action times right now that aren't the new mattress or even the new pillow or the new sheets? Yeah. yeah, there's so much. I mean, this I could go on and on here, but um, I'll keep it real simple and tangible and actionable for, for your listeners. Uh, three, two, one, sleep. So like I mentioned, three hours before bed, you stop eating. Two hours before bed, you stop working. One hour before bed, you start your bedtime ritual, which doesn't involve social media, checking email, or really ideally any technology. Um, that could look like stretching, making love to your partner, uh, reading a good book. That could look like a puzzle, playing music, you know, something that is away from tech. That any, any type of technology creates hyper arousal in the brain, which affects our sleep. Um, that's, that's the first sort of easy. There isn't really, here's the thing. There's not a quick fix. And it's not like there's no silver bullet for improving your sleep. And I, I, I did a TEDx talk a couple of years ago where I ran a case study with 20 high performers. And each week we, we experimented with a different sleep strategy. And the outcome of the study was that certain weeks for certain people, certain things worked really good and not so good for the other people. So it's like, you have to be open to experimentation and that's really important, but three, two, one sleep. That's, that's that's effective. It works. Um, if you do have insomnia, if you do have trouble getting or staying asleep, or you wake up in the middle of the night with a racing mind and you have, you know, a hard time falling back asleep. We found at our sleep science Academy that the practice of embodied acceptance, meaning shifting into full body acceptance of whatever the night brings is uh, one of the most powerful strategies for getting yourself back to sleep because sleep is not something that you can force or control. And in right. trying to do so, you actually create more stress, which creates less sleep. Um, and then what you do throughout your entire day dictates how well you're going to sleep, how well you sleep affects how well you perform the next day. Cycle. So, yeah, so you can't really separate your day from your night or night from your day. So everything you do leading up to sleep is important. It, it'll make a difference. Um, and how well you sleep is also going to make a difference in, in how you show up. So uh, those are a few things. Oh, that's great, man. That's that, those are great. Like I, I love the three, two, one. I like watching TV before I go to bed. It's just like, it, it checks my brain out. It's, I, and I don't watch like, like I'm very excited to watch the new season of Ozark. However, mm -hmm. I will not watch that at night. Cause it's, it's like mind blowing, you know? Yeah. And so I, I just like watching mindless stuff at night. Um, documentaries, like I'm learning things, but I'm not like, I'm not engaged with it really. So is that, is that really detrimental or is that, is it okay? I mean, obviously in moderation, I guess. Yeah. So I would say in moderation, like all things, like I have my, my nights as well, where I watch my sh you know, show or movie. Um, 
it's not ideal if you do it consistently. And really it does yeah. depend on the type of content you're consuming as well. If you're watching news right before you go to bed, which is what most no, people it's do. Bad. It's bad regardless of before bed, after bed, doesn't matter, it's bad. Yeah, it's just loading up with fear, doubt, and worry, um, which is not what you want. No. And so the content that you consume also is really important. So if you're, if you're not like, you don't want to watch adventure action movies right before you go to sleep because it's going to create hyper arousal in your brain. So if you're, you know, there is some science around blue light, which is the light that comes from the devices, but I really think it's more so the hyper arousal from the technology that creates issues for people. So, you know, again, I, it's not ideal for a bedtime routine. I think you totally could upgrade it, but depending on the content, I think that does also make, make a difference. Got it. That's awesome, man. Dude, this is, uh, this has been quite eye-opening for lack of a better phrase, when we're talking about sleep. <laughs> um, it's been, it's been I, honestly, like I, I learned a ton here and I know the, uh, and dude, we went all over the place, plant medicine, hustle and grind, like sheets and pillows. I think we covered a lot of ground here, man. This is great. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the thing is that you can't separate your, your sleep from your life. Right. It is so, it's a part of your life. Yeah. So all that, aspects of your, your life are affected by your sleep and vice versa. So, um, so it's not surprising that we, that we dove into some of these other sort of esoteric things that might not really seem to be related to sleep, but, but really are. (laughs) They really are. Yeah, totally. No, I listen, man, I, the audience knows the, the, one of the power moves of this show, one of the beauties of this show is that it, it flows and it's just a natural conversation. Like if you and I met on a plane, and you mic'd us, this is what it would look like. That's what it, it felt like for me. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't have the intro. It wouldn't have the intro, right? I wouldn't be me yeah. going, Hey guys, today on the show, like, you know, like it wouldn't have that. Um, I was a total weirdo, which I could do. Um, no, this is, this is how things, this is how things are supposed to go. It's just in flow. So whatever came up today is what was meant to come up today. Just like you eating the Chex mix with mushrooms in it. That was meant to happen. And so for, for everybody listening, this is what you were meant to hear today about sleep. Something in the 500 topics we covered today about sleep and around sleep and around lifestyle like, is what you needed to hear. It's great. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah, dude, thanks for being here. Really appreciate your time and your expertise. And uh, never had somebody talk about sleep in this capacity on the show. So this is a real treat for us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. And, and, um, you know, people, people want more actually today is the one anniversary of my book, the sleep advantage. Yeah. I love it. So, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, if if you want, want to dive into more of this stuff and we're really just scraping the surface here, but, um, I appreciate you having me on and I, I hope that your listeners feel inspired to, you know, prioritize and protect and also optimize their, their nights now. Yeah, I love it. So guys, check out Devin's book, The Sleep Advantage. What's your website? Where can people find you? Uh, sleepscienceacademy.com or devinburk.com. Got it. D-E-V-I-N. That's right. B-U-R-K-E. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Well, Devin, thanks for being here, man. And um, audience, hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you on the next one.